We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com here for the first time in week 15, coming off, I think, five weeks. This first time in, uh, we, I think we counted out 11 podcasts that we're talking about a Bears victory. Uh, Aaron Lemming, how are you feeling after a 33-7 blowout win? Oh, man, it's, it's definitely a little bit of a change. Uh, I think this is definitely one of those, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week a little bit. Uh, that sometimes maybe winning can be a little bit more important than draft positioning. I know you disagreed a little bit, but I think we can both agree that this kind of win is something that can really help the Bears build something towards next year, whether that be with Trubisky. I mean, really, if anybody won uh, yesterday outside of the Bears, or sorry, Sunday, outside of the Bears, it was Ryan Pace. I mean, really, the whole entire game was carried by their young guys, and I think that's a huge positive moving into next year. And I know we shouldn't you know, overreact to one game, but I think this is also something that Bears fans should feel positive about, especially moving into 2018. Yeah, and I, I don't think it necessarily helps them at, at all to win this game, but I do think it. what is great to see, and like you mentioned, is the fact that it was the young guys who carried them, and you know, right at the top was Trubisky, 25 of 32, 271 yards, had a touchdown, throwing a touchdown, uh, running the ball at 112 passer rating, uh, completed 70% of his of his passes, or I'm sorry, 68% of his passes, 
uh, second highest completion percentage of uh, the season for him after last week when he when he had the highest. So he really has trying to turn it around over these last couple of weeks. Even John Fox said, you know, the week before against San Francisco, he played very well, just didn't get the credit for it. Uh, you know, the offense as a whole didn't do very well. But coming off a pair of games where he had 80% completion percentage last week, 78 completion percentage this week, 8.5 yards uh, per uh, completion. I, you know, I, I think he played his best football game. And as a whole, I think the offense played their best football game. And I think this trying to, I mean, these are all guys who are the future of the team. I mean, nobody here is going anywhere. I mean, they might make some changes along the offensive line. But, you know, we saw what uh, the potential of Adam Shaheen, particularly in the in the uh, uh, red zone, uh, we saw Tariq Cohen again have another big game, doing it in every which way. Uh, you know, Jordan Howard at 124 rushing yards uh, now became the, the first uh, Bears rusher to ever rush for more than a thousand yards in his first two seasons. These are all young players. I mean, people forget Jordan Howard is only 23 years old. You know, so. Uh, this is a uh, an Eddie Jackson forced two two turnovers in that game. Like you said, Ryan Pace was the big winner in this game. If the if the Bears, I mean, I think we talked about this in one of the previous podcasts, and now how I said that maybe you know John Fox's future might be sealed, but the the end of the year might still uh, have you know play out you know or have an, uh, an effect on whether the Bears keep Ryan Pace. I think a game like this where you go on the road. Uh, in Cincinnati, your entire uh, last two rookie classes all played played well, except for Dion Bush, uh, you know, and basically carried your your team to a blowout victory on the road against a veteran team. I think it was a great victory for all those guys. I think it was a good victory for Pace. Doesn't help the draft positioning at all. But like you said, I think these are these are all great signs, particularly with, with Trubisky going forward. I, I completely agree, and I think obviously the biggest thing is Trubisky because. I think, you know, last week people were kind of hot and cold on his performance. I think uh, considering the situation and what it was, I think he did really well. I mean, I, I shouldn't say really well. I think he did well last week. Uh, you know, he, he only had 15 pass attempts. He's 12 of 15. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is you, you look at what Trubisky's done over these last two weeks and especially this week. And the biggest thing that really stood out to me was his overall pocket presence. And, and there's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, some of that is definitely confidence. And that's something that he's lacked. Uh, I thought the last few games heading up into maybe, you know, San Francisco, I think he showed a little bit of flashes, but you have his confidence and his mechanics is another big thing. Um, you know, really being able to set his feet and, and get throws off uh, was big. And he was so decisive in this game, and he was patient. And that's a big thing for him because he's – I don't know if I'd call it patient in the past where he'd sit in the, he'd sit in the pocket and take these sacks, but he was patient. He'd sit back there. He had, Like I said, he had good pocket presence, but he was – I mean, he was waiting for these guys to get open. And I think that's a big thing for him because – We've seen Trubisky over the last, I'd say, probably four or five games uh, really not let things develop. And sometimes he's either rushing throws or he's taking sacks when he doesn't need to or he's not really aware of where he's at in the pocket. And, you know, sometimes negative plays happen. He had one of those uh, with the blitz right up the middle. Um, You know, he ended up taking a sack. But I I think when you really look at this overall performance, especially for Trubisky, you look at what he was able to do. He was even making calls at the line pre-snap, which is something I really hadn't seen him do, which I thought was really impressive. So you look at all these things and obviously he needs to carry this over. But I think I know we've talked about this a few times and and I and I think that these type of games, these type of performances from Trubisky 
have to give Bears fans a lot of hope because there's a lot of progression being made. Obviously, it's one game. It's something that he's going to need to build on uh, moving into Saturday against uh, Detroit, and we'll get to that in the next podcast. But it uh, this is big. I mean, this really is. For him to come out, he had his best game of the year. I'm not a big fan of pro football focus. His grades, uh, but uh, he was their top uh, tied for the top-graded quarterback uh um, this week he's in line for what is it rookie of the week or whatever offensive rookie of the week but I think you just see all the different things he did and one of the biggest things that really stood out to me uh, in terms of positives was how good he was on third down how um, just decisive he was with the ball and I mean th- those are things I think Brad Biggs tweeted it out and you know sometimes I disagree sometimes I agree with him but I mean I think he put it perfectly he said this is how it should look this is how Trubisky progressing within the offense in year one should look and I, I just it's hard not to be excited when you see a game like this like I said I'm not going to overreact too much to one game but I think this is something that the Bears can really build on especially from Trubisky and all the young guys this is something that they can really build on and even if they only win one more game the rest of the season throughout these next three games this is something that can really I think can really help them moving into next year I'm not you know not really from a momentum standpoint but from Trubisky to be able to get some confidence and and really be able to get a, a solid foundation moving into next year, I think, would be huge. Yeah, and I think you, you brought up a couple of good things. But I, I, one thing you didn't bring up is the fact that he he's only thrown an interception in one game over the past five. Uh, right now, he's on pace after nine starts, four interceptions. I think that equals out to around, right around seven interceptions through a full slate of, of uh uh, James, so uh, you know he's doing what we saw him do in college, which is be ju- judicious with the football, not put it in harm's way. I mean, he's not throwing a ton of uh, uh, touchdowns, but like I said earlier, his his uh, completion percentage has drawn up. If you look at his completion percentage in his first four games, he didn't have one single game uh, where he was above sixty percent since uh, the bye week. Since week ten, over the last five games, four of those games have been over 60% in the last two, 80 and 78. So you're seeing progress there. Uh, uh, in the last five games, or the last two games, he's had his two highest uh, passer ratings at 117 and 112. So I think, you know, we talk about development all the time. Do we, you know, this is the biggest thing about the season, the rest of the season. We've said this over and over, uh, you know, to developing Trubisky. And we, we were worried oh, during that five-game stretch that possibly he was taking steps backward. But it appears... Uh, at least for one game, I mean, to go into Cincinnati and do what he did. And I know the Bengals were banged up on defense, but, hey, the Bears are banged up on offense too. And, you know, Kendall Wright is your best wide receiver, so I call that a wash. So I'm not I'm not uh, getting on the, you know, uh, it was one one game against a bad team band, uh, band, uh, stuff that I've been hearing. Um, I think this is a good win. I think it, it's, it's, it makes it even better because Trubisky played well and because the rest of the rookies played well. You know, they finally got Adam Shaheen involved. Uh, four catches for 44 yards. Uh, he was a weapon in the red zone. Probably should have had a second touchdown. That ball hit him in the chest. If that passes a little out in front of him, though, that's probably an easy catch for him uh, and, and gets him his second touchdown of the game. So uh, with all these young guys, man, uh, it, gives you, it gives you a glimpse uh, into what might be uh, here going forward, and I think that's exciting for the team. I think that's, you know, like I said, I don't think it benefits them in any way in terms of uh, – uh, the the draft or, or you know the anything this year uh but i do think that this portends really good things you, you put you put a, a strong draft on top of this team which is loaded with young talent and don't forget trevathan's only 26 uh you, we're, we're not even discussing leonard floyd uh 
uh, Akeem Hicks is to only 28. I mean, we still have a lot of young players on this team uh, that are really the foundation and aren't going anywhere. Eddie Goldman's still very young. I think he's only 23. So uh, this is a team built on young talent. If you throw another good draft class on top of this and get a good coaching staff, the future is very bright. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about it a few times, and I think it's worth mentioning again the fact that Ryan Pace's whole entire future, for the most part, is really going to come down to, to Trubisky. And so when we look at all the development that's going on, obviously Trubisky is going to be you know, the forefront of that. And, and when you look at moving forward, I mean, it's just it, you, you look at what they have. And I know a lot of people want to overreact and they want to look at the record and they want to see you know, some of these games and they say, OK, the Bears are still far away. And I really don't believe that they are. I, I feel like you, you look at the talent that they have on IR right now. Look at the amount of money that they're going to have. They're still going to have a high draft pick. Even if, let's just say, they win another game or two, they're still going to be picking, I'd say, probably top 12, top 13. They'll be in a good position to be able to get talent. Uh, so, I mean, it's really just going to be about Ryan Pace making the right moves this offseason. Obviously, f- first and foremost is going to be getting the right head coach in there. But I think that we're, we, we see enough flashes right now to where I think we can we, we can rest assured that they have some good talent, on, the young talent on this team. And it's something that's worth building on. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. You know, these, just these next few games to see how everything works out. Uh, but the one thing that – I'm not trying to get negative, and I, I'm not trying to put this in a negative light. But the one thing that kind of makes me think that this coaching staff is – you know, it, it was, I would say, the best coach game all season. But one of the things that really kind of makes me go back saying, okay, they this team would be a better team with different coaching staff, a better coaching staff is – I think it's a guy like Adam Shaheen and just the way that they use uh, Tariq Cohen. It's like when Tariq Cohen is used correctly, he always produces. Uh, you know, he had two touchdowns that were either one was called back on a holding call and then the other one he uh, he landed just short of the goal line. But, he, I mean, he ended up, I think he had like 85 total yards. But then you look at a guy like Adam Shaheen and you actually use him. He had four catches on five targets. He gets a touchdown. He had two big uh, – actually, I think it was one of them was a third down catch and the other one was a fourth down catch. And it's like you start looking at this, and it kind of makes you wonder. It's like, what would happen if these guys were being correctly used all year? And like I said, I'm I'm not trying to get negative, and I look at this more as a positive because I look at it as, okay, what happens when they get a competent coaching staff in here next year that knows how to use these offensive pieces? I know that receiver's a big issue. I think they need to find a way to fix the line a little bit, but – you look at just some of the guys that they already have. I think Kendall Wright's a guy worth keeping. Dontrell Emman didn't really do anything in the game, but I think he's also somebody worth keeping. Those are two guys that are going to be cheap to keep. But then you have a guy like Tariq Cohn. You have a guy like Jordan Howard, obviously Trubisky. And I think Adam Shaheen's really the X factor here because everything that we've seen, at least from uh, the, what I've seen from him this year when he gets a chance to play, he looks like the real deal. He looks like as long as you have him involved with the offense, he's not a very good blocker. That's not what they drafted him for. I understand he needs to block because he's a tight end, but ultimately he's going to be a big receiving threat, and especially in the red zone. I think he's got, what, three or four touchdowns already? I mean, it's just these are the kind of weapons that the Bears are going to need, and they may be overlooked a little bit this year because of what the Bears need going into next year. But I just there's a lot of positives here, and it gets washed away sometimes with some of the bad games that they have. But I think a lot of the negativity, at least on my end, is always towards the coaching staff because we always see such poorly coached games. 
And then when we see these coaches make the right decisions for the most part, then you see the, the fruits of the reward of what's going on around them and what Ryan Pace has built and what they're trying to build right now. And I think that's something that Bears fans can lean on the rest of the year and going in the offseason, knowing that they have some untapped talent here. They've got some good young talent. And I think it's just going to take the right coaching staff and a few more pieces to put it on. But I don't think this team's that far off. I really don't. Well, you bring up a good point. You know, what would be or what would have been had the Bears been able to use this talent correctly all year if they had a, a confident coaching staff that, particularly on the offensive side of the football, that was able to utilize and maximize, maximize these guys to their potential. I mean, you look at overall, I mean, they've had a couple bad losses. Uh, you know, the the blowout loss to the Eagles and the losses to the Buccaneers and uh, obviously the 49ers were not uh, good losses, but everybody else they've played on the slate has had a, a, a winning schedule. I mean, they beat the 11-2 and Steelers, the 7-6 and Ravens, 9-4 and Panthers. I mean, uh, you know, even the Packers have a winning record. Um, you know, uh, this is a team that, and all those games that they lost, most of those games they lost, the Falcons, the Vikings, the Packers, uh, all the Saints, all by eight points or less. So it's not like, I agree. I don't think they're that far off. I think they're they're better than the record suggests. They went through a pretty rough stretch where they didn't look good over the last couple of weeks before uh, going into Cincinnati. And then I think that had people, a lot of people worried that maybe this team was headed in the wrong direction. But I think a game like that shows that they are headed in the right direction with all those young guys all doing it uh you know i i think that that you know being able to compete when you're you know still trying to develop all these guys another year from now you'll be a lot of these games where you were close those are games you'll be able to uh you know push over the top and turn into victories and all these games like we've talked about even the bad games were are, are is good experience for for trubisky it's good experience for all these guys uh even shaheen getting beaten blocking that's only going to help him uh get better in that area but i mean all these reps that these guys are getting right now that and they're and and the way that they're performing is only great signs going forward so yeah i don't think they're all that far off and and we've said it all along if trubisky is the real deal nothing else matters i mean yes you need a, a decent parts around it, but it looks like the bears do have enough decent parts uh, where uh, if you have a franchise quarterback, uh, you know a top ten quarterback, you're going to go to the playoffs eventually. You're finally going to. I might uh, finally eventually cover a playoff game. I've never done that in my career, and that's ridiculous because I've been doing this since 2011. So uh, I think it, you know, to me, a win like that, if it was at home, if it was you know, say two weeks ago, this had happened against the, the 49ers. I would said, eh, you know, uh, that it should have happened. I think the fact they lost was uh, way more disappointing disappointing than you know any excitement I would have gotten from a blowout victory but going into Cincinnati facing this veteran team uh, when you had lost five in a row the season was out spiraling out of control you could have easily walked in there and just gotten your butts handed to you and walked out like so many times over the last couple of seasons especially late in the year we've seen the Bears teams just roll over the last couple of years especially uh, Tressman's second season, last couple of years when injuries started to happen. I mean, Bears didn't have a chance. Now you go into Cincinnati and actually get a win when your best receiver was Tendall Wright, who ended up he was he ended up getting ten catches over a hundred yards. First time a receiver all year has gotten over a hundred yards, which really tells you what Trubisky has been working with and how uh, inept that passing attack has been. Now these things are starting to come together, and I think that that's great for the future. It's great for Bears fans, and I think it's a reason to get excited. I think if you're saying uh, you know, if you, if there's a, you're trying to find negativity in this, and uh, I, I think it's it's uh, 
you know you're, you're looking in the wrong direction i, I think it, it shows the the bears the business only the third time in the past four seasons that the bears have scored over 30 points they did it twice two years ago when jace was the head coach they didn't do it in Tressman's second year. Didn't do it last year at all. So in uh, you know three, almost four seasons, this is the only third time they've scored over thirty points. And so uh, you know it's a step in the right direction. It's and it was done with a rookie quarterback, basically with a rookie uh, running back, a second year running back, and a rookie tight end. So I I think that, that when you're able to do that with with all these young parts, man, that makes that makes this offense look really good. Now if Hicks gets gets it together, you get another uh, uh, edge rusher. Leonard Floyd eventually stays on the field. Trevathan has looked like an all-pro this year. He's a foundational player as well. And you get Eddie Jackson, sign, re-sign Kyle Fuller, Mukamara, or draft a cornerback. Yeah, yeah, I think the Bears are on the right track, and I think the future looks good. Well, you just brought up somebody that I really want to talk about, and that is Kyle Fuller, because... I think the Bears are in an interesting position right now. And we, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week with Kyle Fuller possibly being an Alshon Jeffrey type situation. And it seems like outside of the, t- I think he's had two bad games this year where he's really struggled. But outside of that, it's games like last week where you watch him play and he's, dude, he's just, I mean, he's on a whole nother level from what what, what we've really ever seen him outside of that little stretch that he had with his first two games as a rookie. And, I mean, he's playing lockdown coverage. I think really my only complaint about Kyle Fuller is the fact that he cannot seem to catch an interception outside of the one that he ripped away from somebody who had already caught it. Uh, but, I mean, he's I mean he's been their their best corner most of the year, and that's not really a knock on Mukamura. But I think you look at it right now, and I think Fuller's one of those guys that I'm not saying pay $13, $14 million a year to but I also think it's getting to one of those points where the Bears cannot continue to let, uh, I guess in a way you could say, homegrown talent walk out the door. I mean, this is somebody who was drafted by Phil Emery. I get it's not a Ryan Pace pick, but this is somebody who's really come on. He's had you know a little bit of an inconsistent career, but he's only 25 years old. And this is somebody that I really think the Bears, he's shown that he can play in his own scheme. He's shown that he can play in a man's scheme. He's shown that he can do different things, and I really think, I mean, he's got solid size. I think at very worst, he's probably going to be one of the better number twos, number two corners in the league, but I think this is really somebody that the Bears have got to put a high priority on, and and I, I mean, I don't know your your thoughts on it, because you, you've seen him kind of go up and down a little bit right. the last few years, but it, he feels like an important piece moving forward on the defense. Well, I think one of the best points you brought up is that he was always considered, he was drafted into a zone team, and he's always done his best when he was able to face the line of scrimmage. When you asked him to turn his back to the line of scrimmage, play a man-to-man coverage, that's when, when Fuller has been horrible over the last three seasons, um, you know, or when he, he didn't even play last year. So, I mean, the two years before that, it was, you know, when you asked him to turn his back, it got ugly. And I think that was, he needed to be taught how to do that. He wasn't asked to do that at Virginia Tech. He wasn't brought in to do that. So that was a, a, an entirely different change. And now in man coverage, man, he is unstoppable. He's making plays that a number one cornerback makes. And I know that consistency is still an issue with him. And like you said, he did have a couple of rough games not so long ago. Uh, but, but you know, you see flashes of him that being that 14th overall pick, right? 14th, he was the... the uh, selection yeah yeah one pick before or one pick after aaron donald yeah, man. That's right. i will that's never right. forget yeah. that most bears fans will not forget that either but hey you know if if kyle fuller turns out to be a lockdown cornerback then uh you know they they did the best they could in the situation so i i 
I, like you said, hopefully it doesn't turn into an Alshon Jeffrey situation where Ryan uh, Pace tries to play hardball, assuming he's in that position. I, I believe he will be. But if it's Ryan Pace running the show, hopefully they can work out something. Uh, if it's incentive-laden, so be it. Uh, but I, I think that Kyle Fuller has shown that if you let him walk at his still young age, you know, he goes to the Patriots, he's going to be an all-pro player. You know he will be. So uh, I, don't let, like you said, homegrown talent walk. I think, you know, teams have tried to throw to him, against him, and, and, and try and beat him this year, and he hasn't allowed it. And that's why, you know, you haven't seen a whole ton out of Prince of Mukamara, but Mukamara is still making plays. And I think teams are kind of afraid to throw Mukamara, which is crazy. But the same thing with Fuller, like you mentioned, neither one of them can come up with a damn interception unless. Uh, you know, they rip it out of the hand. I mean, that ball that Fuller Fuller ripped it, that had the interception, ripped the ball out of his hands a couple weeks ago. But last week, that ball hit him right in the in the gut, bounced up off the receiver's hands, hit him right in the gut. I mean, he's gone. He's that's an easy six pick for Kyle Fuller, and he drops it. So, uh, you know, Mukamara had one hit him right in the hands. I, I if those two could just, I, they're probably you know they probably lead the league in almost interceptions this year. So, if those things start turning into turnovers. You're probably not going to be able to re-sign both guys, but at least get one, maybe draft another one, and there's at least one young player. Hopefully it's Fuller. Hopefully they can get Fuller back, like you said, uh, and, and then you have a foundational player again alongside Eddie Jackson, potentially Adrian Amos in the secondary that you can build on. I think there's a lot of building blocks here, and, and Fuller is definitely one of those. But uh, you know, if Fuller doesn't go, then I, I definitely think Amukamara takes priority. Then I do think he's played well enough to earn a, a one or two, two, three-year deal. He probably wouldn't cost a whole lot either, wouldn't you think? I yeah, I would think. I mean, the way I've looked at the contracts and kind of gotten a gauge and how things could work out, I think he could probably have Amukamara at like three years and twenty-one yeah. million, with maybe a little over a million guaranteed or over one year guaranteed. But you look at Fuller, and he's kind of one of those guys that I could see signing anywhere from like nine million, and I, but I could also see you know per year to I could see him getting see him getting probably you know. Anywhere from nine million, uh, maybe ten million from the Bears, but I could also see a team because it is free agency to where he could very easily get twelve or thirteen million dollars on the open market. So I think that's where the Bears have got to draw the line in the sand. I don't blame them if they don't want to pay him twelve or thirteen million dollars, but I do think somewhere along the lines of like a Drake Kirkpatrick type deal, where I think he got four or five years right around. I think it was like ten and a half million, and I think there was like two million or two years guaranteed. That's something that can make some. I'm not a fan of locking both of them up just for the simple fact that I think you need to have a higher upside guy, especially in the turnover department, uh, whether that be in free agency. There's going to be some good names out there depending on if they hit the market or in the draft. The Bears are going to have an opportunity to take one of those guys high, but I, I, I think they need to improve with the corners. But if it's me, you've got to assign one of those guys to be, you know, at very worst, your number two and go after number one. But one of those guys has to come back next year. And honestly, I don't think Marcus Cooper is even worth keeping around. I, I know he's going to get $5 million next year, but you might as well cut the guy because it's obvious that he's simply not going to work out. He's been awful in special teams. Anytime he comes in the game, he's been awful. There's no point in keeping the guy. Well, I agree about Cooper. I, I don't know. You know, he's probably going to just going to have to eat that money. But, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking about the needs on defense, and, and we both agreed, have agreed that – and it's real early to start talking about the draft, but hey, when you're talking about a four and nine football team, that's where you're at. Uh, 
when we talk about the offense and we talk about the, all the pieces that they have, and I think maybe they could use another piece at offensive tackle, uh, you know, depending on how things go with Kyle Long, Josh Sitton's getting up there, maybe another uh, guard. But outside of the offensive line and wide receiver, I mean, are all the priorities now, because of what we've seen out of Cohen and, and what, what they have in that rushing attack, they have the what we believe to be a franchise passer, uh, potentially a franchise tight end. Still positions are taken care of except for uh, wide receiver. And if Kyle Long can return to form, uh, you know, maybe you don't have to invest heavily in the offensive line. Does that do are all the priorities now on the defensive side of the football? And even on the de- defensive side of the football, you have so many good young pieces. Uh, you know, when you talk about Goldman, you talk about Hicks, you talk about Floyd, you get another edge rusher in there, you have Kwiatkowski and, and, and Trevathan at inside linebacker. I think both those guys are starter caliber. Are all the needs for the Bears basically on the defense, out of wide, outside of wide receiver, basically on the defensive side of the football? Man, I mean, I think the Bears have a lot of good young talent. If you add a bunch of good young players on top of that, uh, I think we, we're going to see some uh, – you know, a team that can compete in the future. And I think if a few of those needs are filled in free agency, free agency, that is going to allow pace some flexibility in this upcoming draft. Now, I don't want to forget before we get out of this podcast, I don't want to forget that today, uh, Devin Hester officially announced his retirement uh, from the NFL on Twitter, uh, played for the Baltimore Ravens last year, had not been playing for anyone this year. Uh, but was the full-time punt and kick returner for the Ravens after uh, spending that or playing in that role for the Atlanta Falcons uh, a couple seasons after with, uh, he was with the Bears. But uh, you know, looking back at Devin Hester, I think that the you know my uh, most exciting memory of Devin Hester was uh, during the his rookie season. Everybody remembers the Monday Night Football game where uh, Rex Grossman threw I think uh, three or four interceptions. Uh, the Bears had that comeback victory where uh, uh, I think it was Peanut Tillman had the strip and uh, return fumble, and then um, Devin Hester returned the uh, punt. And I was at a bar in Chicago at the time, and I remember thinking that the place was actually going to come down uh, because of how, how absolutely crazy uh, it went. And I think that was how Devin Hester made everybody feel uh, from that point on, I mean, his first game he ever played against the Packers, he he scored a, a punt return touchdown, you know, and he led led all uh, players in NFL history in punt return touchdowns with 14. He was so electric and so exciting, and there was never a more exciting player on the field. So I'll let you give your thoughts, and then I'll, I'll add to it. I think, man, Devin Hester is a whole uh, bait with a coworker earlier on that called me basically a homer for thinking that Devin Hester could possibly be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying he's a surefire Hall of Famer, but you look at, I mean, Ray Guy was a great punter, don't get me wrong, but you look at a guy like Ray Guy versus a guy like Devin Hester, Devin Hester was the greatest uh, return man to ever play the game, just like Ray Guy was the best punter to ever play the game. And and just watching what he was able to do, and I mean, just the, the attention that he demanded, it wasn't as simple as, okay, you know, we're just going to kick away from him. Teams had a game plan around this guy. I mean, this is... This is how good Devin Hester was. I mean, he had what total twenty or total 20, 20 total uh, return touchdowns. Uh, he was better than uh, Dante Hall with both uh, kick return average and punt return average. And I mean, you just look at all the different things that he was able to do. And I'm not saying that he's a surefire Hall of Famer, but I do think that he should be considered when that time comes. And I do think the Bears did something for him. 
and retire, you know, and, and retire as a bear or something. But I think the Bears need to do something for him because he was a big part of the Bears. And I think he was a big fan of why a big reason why a lot of people or some people became fans of the Bears because he was such an exciting player. And he's like nothing we'll ever see again. I don't think a lot of people understand that he he did something that will never be done in the NFL again. And maybe some of that's because of the rules, but also because of how good he was. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. I mean, how many players or returners in their careers have had or have forced opposing teams to game plan for them? I think that's, uh, you know, the, obviously the the experiment they, they had with him as a wide receiver in Chicago did not uh, work out. But when he was in his prime, I mean, he averaged over 16 and 17 yards, I want to say, in uh, 2010 and 2011, just as a punt returner alone. I mean, that's that's phenomenal to get so many yards on average. Uh, you know, so every time he touched the football, he was so electric. And like you said, I mean, he he was the he was the most exciting player on the field. He was the guy that you almost depended on during some of those lean years when Chicago couldn't score uh, on offense, and they had that great defense. It was like if you got a Devin Hester score with that great defense, that you almost were guaranteed a victory. So uh, I think you're not wrong in in um, making a case for him in uh, the Hall of Fame. Um, he was a three-time All-Pro. Uh, you know, a lot of three time. That's that's pretty much if you play any skill position, a three time All Pro is a is a is almost a guaranteed ticket to the Hall of Fame. So, uh, I th- I agree with you there. You know, if uh, you know Ray Dyer can make it, so so can Devin Hester. So, um, you know, hopefully he gets it in there. But you know, that'll t- it'll take uh, five years now, I believe, uh, for for him to have to wait for that. So, uh, hopefully he gets it in there because he deserves it. But yeah, that's it, folks, for this uh, first week fifteen podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can give me a follow at Bear Report and check out all our work at our Bear Report Facebook page as well as BearReport.com. Talk to us every day at the BearReport.com message boards. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, we will be back on Thursday to discuss uh, this week's matchup against the Detroit Lions and a potentially uh, a Bears team on the rise. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk on Thursday. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com